0: Welcome to What's Eric Eating, Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Jason and Daya and Cole Wong from Danette coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co host this week. She is the owner of Avondale Food and Wine. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you?
1: I am well. I'm happy to be here from the Rocky Mountains.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Matt Harris and I talked about Julep winning the James Beard Award for Outstanding Bar Program on last week's episode, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to comment because I know that you're a Julep fan, and I also thought you might have a perspective as a woman restaurateur. Uh, obviously, Alba Huerta is the owner of Julep. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you. Uh, I don't know if you have that whole sisterhood thing going on or not with her specifically, but but I know you do feel a certain kinship with female small business owners, and so I just thought I would throw it to you for just a minute or two. Yeah. What do you think this? What does it? What does it mean for Julep? And and what, what do you think about it?
1: I mean, first off the bat, just regardless, it's amazing for Houston for us to have this kind of exposure for James Beard. Uh, yes, it's a woman-owned business, but really it's, it's just such a great thing for Houston. I'm up here in Aspen on the downslope of Aspen Food and Wine, and Alba's been up here all weekend uh, doing seminars and doing demonstrations, and she's really well-received up here, and I think this will help her exposure nationally and internationally, Uh, my good girlfriend, Kate McLean and I are up here and she's very close with Alba. Um, We just couldn't be more proud. And everyone has been talking about it at food and wine up here. You know, Chris Shepard has been up here, a lot of other restaurateurs and chefs that we know and love and respect, but it's really a a time to celebrate Alba. And I think that's amazing.
0: Yeah. You know, I was, I was actually thinking about this and, and I don't think I mentioned it in last week's show is sort of how long Alba has been working to get to the point where she might get this kind of recognition. You know, she competed, she was the runner up in speed rack in 2012. You know, she served on the board of the Southern foodways Alliance. She wrote a a cocktail recipe book that was well-reviewed and well-received.
1: Tales of the Cocktail, New Orleans. She's always been involved in that as well.
0: Right you know, all of these things, you know, even locally, I'll have what she's having all and, and the Southern Smoke Foundation, all of these things like, you know, brick by brick, you sort of build this, uh, you build this career where you start to get more and more attention and, you know, and, and it doesn't guarantee you anything, but it, but it puts you in a position for success. And and so, you know, I just, I,
1: This it's, is not, it's not an,
0: it's not an overnight achievement. It, it's, it's, 10 it's a plus, career defining thing.
1: It's 10 plus years. And, you know, Alba's been in it, uh, on the back, you know, behind the bar and back in it farther than I have been. But, you know, I look at our contemporaries. I look at Kate McLean, you know, Kate started at Tony's 10 years ago. She's now at the homeless partner. Alba took this long to get to where she's at. I mean, this doesn't happen in a year or two. I mean, it really, starts to hit when you've been in this business 10 plus years and it takes all of that time and dedication to get to this. That's why this is so impressive for her and, and for Houston. We should be really, really proud.
0: Absolutely. All right. Uh, topic number two, Agricole Hospitality has finally announced their plans for the former Blue Line, Blue Line Bike Lab space next to Cultivare it is going to be called Easy's Liquor Lounge. They brought in Matt Tanner, formerly of Pappas Restaurants in Anvil, as a partner on the project. Uh, essentially, I'll let people read the whole article in Culture Map. But essentially, it's kind of a retro-styled, throwback. Uh, take some inspiration. Take some inspiration. Easy for me to say, from some <laughs> of their favorite dive bars. You know, very comfortable, very casual, but with food and cocktails that are done at a level that you would expect from Agricole, which is Cultivara, Eight Row Flint, uh, Miss Carousel, Indianola and Vinnie's. So really like, you know, good spirits, uh, fresh juices. Mary, I say all that to say to you, does Easy's Liquor Lounge seem like a logical addition to the Agricole portfolio?
1: I think it does. I think it needs to make sure it's, diversified enough from eight row Flint. You know, I don't think of eight row as a dive bar per se, but it's a very popular bar with that hard corner at 11th, you know, it's got a big patio. I think I always love a dive bar atmosphere. I just, I, I think for me to want that kind of vibe or have that kind of vibe, it's going to need, I hope it's pricing is, is um, moderated, right? I hope it's not cultivar cocktail pricing. I hope it's a a lower entry price point for that. I think the Heights has just been blowing up with restaurants and bars. So they already have a, a nice foothold in that neighborhood. And I think they'll be well-received because of that.
0: Yeah. And and just to be clear, like they understand that you don't create a dive bar. <laughs> right? All you can kind of do is just make the place feel really lived in already. So it's, it's vintage furniture that Matt Tanner has been buying at, you know thrift stores and antique shops like all over Texas, you know 80s and 90s era neon, and and just dart boards, pool tables, and then you just create like a menu of very familiar, very well executed drinks. I, I mean, I think you know this is mostly as I understand the plans. It's mostly an indoor space, whereas Eight Row is really defined by its patio, and and the food offerings will be you know, completely different, right? Eight Row really is built around that. Those tacos with those house-made tortillas and they, they do some other, you know, kind of Mexican and Tex-Mex stuff. Uh, the, the idea behind the food from Easy's Liquor Lounge is like the kind of stuff you would find at a crock pot at, at a real dive bar, just like a good version of it, not a, not a version that would turn your stomach. Hot dogs, chili, queso, uh at least that that's the plan you know we'll we'll see what happens when they actually open and people start coming into the place uh, and of course you'll also be able to get pizza from Cultivare which seems like a good idea to me but i i just just the way that they sort of talked about you know the influences and the expectations and the atmosphere they're trying to create i i'm just i I've, I've been looking forward to to learning more about this bar i mean they signed this lease uh in 2019 and so it's been a long time coming. And it just sounds like it just sounds like a, a really like casual, fun place to hang out. And so I, I agree with you. I think price, you know, will will determine part of the experience. There's there's already kind of cultivari is kind of a, a high-end, has a high-end cocktail program. Uh permission whiskey down the street is certainly doing that really well and and getting a lot of attention. This needs to be, you know, maybe not like Onion Creek, but, but kind of in that kind of come as you are, very casual uh, mode. And, and I think they know that. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know what the pricing is going to be like, but, but they're, they're certainly aware of, of the kind of atmosphere they're trying to create.
1: I'm excited for them to come to the Heights and open up an additional location. I really think they have an identity uh, that's very well established in the Heights and, looking forward to another another one of their spots.
0: Absolutely. And then let me move on to topic number three, Shoot the Moon, a self-serve uh, beer, wine, and cocktail concept from Anvil co-founder Kevin Floyd and Chef Dax McIner. has closed after less than a year of operations. Uh, I had Kevin on the show a long time ago to talk about Shoot the Moon. He had this idea that It would be family friendly in the sense that self-serve allows you to control the pace of your experience. So you don't have to look up, look around for a server when you want to refill. You can just go get it. And then when you're done, uh, since you've already paid, you can just leave Uh, and you don't have to wait for a server to to tab you out. Curiously, there there are a couple of self-serve concepts that have made a go of it. There's Moonshine Deck which is in shady acres on 20th street where all the other, you know, there's just a ton of, of bars and restaurants that are doing really well over there, you know, drift bar, uh, Wicklow Heights, the original McIntyre's there, that's all kind of booming. And then there's roots, the self-serve wine bar. Uh, it's, that's maybe not far enough East to be East end, but, but maybe just a little bit too East to be like really in the heart of what I consider Edo, to talk about talk about neighborhood pedantry right there, but, but obviously two areas with a much younger demographic than Spring Branch where things need to be kind of family friendly. So Mary, I say all that to say to you, do you sort of agree with me about this self-serve thing? Do you think it's viable in other parts of the city, but maybe not in Spring Branch? Or is it something about shoot the moon that was just not compelling?
1: Uh, I I mean, it breaks my heart that this concept closed so early and maybe didn't get a chance to get its legs underneath it and, and evolve and figure out who they were. I, I have a lot of thoughts about self-service in general for me, especially in a post COVID. I know we're not out of COVID, but in my mind, I want to say post COVID world. I think when people go out, you know, everything's gotten very expensive to dine out, to drink out, just you see it everywhere. Um, but I think when people go out, they want to be taken care of and they want an experience. And I think when you take away that interaction with your bartender or your server, you know, at least with the wine, it's, you know, when I go to other wine bars and having run wine bars and wine shops myself, it's, I want to interact with that person on the other side. Um, and I think, you know, I think maybe that hurt them here. It's hard to say. I know other concepts have been successful with this, but, you know, wine bars for me and and bars in general, uh, I want to interact with my bartender. So I think in my mind, I think that hurts. But then you look at Roots and Roots seems to have done really, really well. um, Even though, you know, these type of concepts are, are more expensive in some ways, rather than you just grabbing a, a bottle of wine at a, at a wine shop or a wine bar and drinking there. But it makes me sad for them. I think Spring Branch is an appealing neighborhood. I mean, I'm an attorney and a real estate broker. I have clients that are always looking in this neighborhood. And I think the density is only increasing and it's growing rapidly. But I think that the prices landlords are asking in Spring Branch, when you start to see them be higher than Montrose or higher than Upper Kirby, definitely higher than the east end it's you know these landlords don't understand that your rent has to be a certain number of of your total gross in order for it to work and i think maybe he bit off more than he could chew and and it makes my heart break for him i'm very sad about it
0: yeah no i i agree with you i mean i you know i've known kevin some over the years i i was excited about shoot the moon i i thought the food was pretty good i i thought the the mix of wine and beer and cocktails was, was pretty compelling. I mean, I, I thought it would be appealing, but, you know, they say it just didn't draw enough sales to, to continue to be viable. And so, you know, I, uh, I do think self-service is, is still very new in Texas. I think people are still getting used to the idea of it, but it, it's successful in other cities, right? That's, that's why people are trying to bring it here. And so I, I do think there's a place for it. I, I'm not sure that this was maybe the right place for it. Maybe it's, maybe it's better somewhere else. But, you know, I feel pretty confident that, uh, you know, Kevin Floyd's got a, a track record of success. He, he opened Anvil. He was Chris Shepard's business partner through just a ton of growth, you know, turning underbelly into, uh, into Georgia James, launching one-fifth, opening UB Preserve, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, you know, I think he'll be back in some role or another and, uh, I'll be excited for whatever his next project is.
1: Yeah. Everybody gets, you know, a second, he'll have a new, you know, new birth, a new life. And I hope we'll be able to see him soon. I know closing a business is never easy, especially as early as this one. So looking forward to seeing what's next for him.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, I, that development in Spring Branch has, has a lot more coming. I mean, we've talked about this off and on over the last few months, but Hondo, the, the hand roll concept in the Heights, Blind Goat, Christine Haas, pub at Bravery Chef Hall, and Ginger Ramen are all slated to join Fijis Barbecue in this shopping center. So I, I, think, I think Spring Branch remains a really appealing kind of new neighborhood along with places like Bel Air. Uh, and the East End for, for, you know, more and better independently owned uh, restaurant concepts. It's just a matter of finding something that that fits the neighborhood and presents itself well and and gets people in the door.
1: And I think the more concepts that come in at the same time, it's gonna help everybody else out. So more density, people can hop from one restaurant to another on a weekly basis, and it'll lift everyone up with with the opening of other businesses.
0: Absolutely. All right. And then topic number four, I don't want to linger over this too much, but we should we should congratulate March. Uh, the Rob Report named it one of the best new restaurants in the country for 2022. It joins uh, the another Texas restaurant, Meridian in Dallas on that list. Mary, I mean, we've talked about, you and I went to March last year. Uh, we've talked about it as both uh, a place to eat, but also uh, a place to drink. We really like their uh, cocktail lounge quite a bit. What do you make of lists like this? What do you make of the Rob Report uh, recognizing March?
1: Lindsay Brown is very good at her job. Um, Rob Report, uh, you know, the writers for that are always up here during Aspen Food and Wine. This is where a lot of connections are made for restaurants in Houston and we get a lot of press based off of the connections you make up here and I think March deserves to be on that list. Um, I think there's not a lot of restaurants of that caliber in the city. We don't have James Beard unfortunately yet in Houston so you know Forbes and Robert Port and these kind of publications it means that you know our city gets more recognition and anybody who helps do that for the city, I think is is great. And you know, it's March is able to have an amazing publicist, and that really does make a difference for you being able to get these press hits on a national and international level. So yay for Houston and congrats to March. It's a beautiful restaurant, exceptional service, and I love their drinks and always a, a fan to go here, especially in the lounge.
0: Right. Uh I just to say. We do have James Beard here, right? We have James Beard Award winners and, yes. and we had uh, not, two James Beard finalists. We don't have Michelin. I think that's sorry, what we
1: that's what I meant. <laughs> not to- yet.
0: Not in Texas. Not yet.
1: I'm, I'm totally hungover today. But yes, Michelin Guide is what I meant. Yeah, James Beard is as close as we get to that. And everybody always asks you and me and everyone I know, like, why isn't Michelin in Houston? And until they come we'll take all the awards and recognition we can get from these other publications.
0: Right. And, and and the short answer is that Michelin, you know, they, they moved from just doing the Bay area in California to the whole state of California. Uh, they just added three cities in Florida because they were paid to, right. The state of California paid Michelin, uh, the state of Florida and the those city uh, convention visitors bureau equivalents paid Michelin uh, to subsidize the cost of, having the inspectors come in and rate those restaurants. So, I mean, if Texas wants that kind of recognition for our restaurants-
1: We're going to have pay, to pay for something other than just top chef.
0: <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I mean, Houston Houston first and, and its equivalent organizations in Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso, and whatever at the statewide level uh, can pony up or not. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I want to have a conversation about whether- that recognition is meaningful, whether we would benefit from it as a city. I don't want to have it with you uh, today, Fair. but, but obviously, you know, the people, the people who listen to this podcast are inside enough to have probably seen the post on Allison Cook's Instagram where that whole argument went down last <laughs> weekend. And so, you know, if you missed it, I'm sorry, cause it got deleted, but uh, you know, we're not going to have that conversation today. But uh, and, and then just just one other thought because you mentioned Lindsey Brown who who is their publicist uh, and Chris Shepard's publicist and and is a very successful uh, restaurant publicist in town. Yes, you know it's it's important for anyone who represents restaurants to have relationships with members of the media. But you you can lead the you can lead that horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Right? If March didn't deliver, right? She could get the Rob report to come to march when they're in houston looking at potential candidates but if march doesn't deliver an outstanding experience then they don't get on the list no absolutely
1: i think but i think the hardest part of the battle is even getting a concept in front of these publications and obviously i mean march is going to deliver so good for them
0: right right all right i am going to say that does it for the news of the week we'll be right back with our restaurants of the week stick around Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you just briefly about Street to Kitchen, which is not a new restaurant, obviously, but it did win big in the 2022 Culture Map Tastemaker Awards, taking both Restaurant of the Year and Rising Star Chef of the Year for Chef G, Ben Chuan Painter. Mary, I, I, I happened to go to Street to Kitchen uh, this past weekend, but I just wanted to see if you had been in since the tastemaker awards
1: yes i mean when i'm in houston i'm not gonna say i go to street to kitchen every week but i certainly go at least twice a month and as i said on our year-end recap show and you corrected me not uh not wrongfully but you were like what's your favorite restaurant of the last year and i'm like street to kitchen you're like married open the year before i'm like i don't know i have covid fog everything seems to like roll together. It is, it is my favorite restaurant right now. I just think that the food hits so hard and it's so authentic. And, you know, if I'm one to three people, I like to sit at the bar. Otherwise I like to sit at a table, but I don't really order when I go here and I'm not the only person that does this. I just tell them like cook whatever you're feeling today. And, you know, maybe I pick my spice level based on who I'm with and everything else that day. But I, I, I am absolutely in love with this restaurant. I love it. I love everything about it. I have no criticisms.
0: <laughs> uh, it's funny it's, I, I had a couple of minor service quibbles. Uh, and, and I, like, I sort of, I, I respect why a restaurant wants to control. Like I, I understand why a restaurant wants it's customers to order their whole meal at once because then they control the pace. Yeah. But as the diner, sometimes I want to control the pace. And so, <laughs> you know, we ordered appetizers and the guy goes, we, we asked that you order everything at once. And I go, no, I'm not going to do that.
1: Eric come to Aspen. They make you do that at every restaurant here. It sucks, but well,
0: been- <laughs> I, I, it's my, it's my meal and my money and you're in the hospitality business. And and street to kitchen is not the only restaurant that does this. I mean, I I, I know Blue Dorn does this. I I mean it, it's it's at all price spectrums, uh, and and you know if I just I hadn't made it that far through the menu, and <laughs> then and then the other thing, and this is such a minor quibble, but we got the mango sticky rice, and the server puts it on the table and goes, and <laughs> goes, we recommend that you eat it with a spoon so you can get all the components in one bite. Don't, don't tell me how to eat. Like, you know, like I'll figure it out, man. Like, and, and, and I, and I say that, and I say that with love because the food there is so delicious. And, and I've known Graham, Graham Painter, who's Chef G's husband and Chef G for a few years now, you know, since they were doing pop-ups in other people's spaces and and serving, they're they're still at the farmer's market every Saturday. and, And I see them regularly and I have so much respect for everything that they've achieved. It, it's, it, but as they grow just a little bit, right? Like, and it, and it's not just Graham waiting tables anymore. You you lose just just that smidgen of personal touch, uh, and and so they just have to they just have to manage that um, because because I want nothing but you know I would love to see them get into a bigger grander space that allows them to do. Uh, more menu items with a bigger staff. You know, I, you know, in, in my mind, I want, I want this to be Houston's Lotus of Siam, a destination-worthy Thai restaurant that serves just you know incredible food that you can't get anywhere else. And and they're on that path, and I I want that for them, and so they just have to they just have to think through some of this stuff. But but I mean, I will say we had a we had a crispy rice dish. It was a special with with some uh, Thai sausage in it that I, I, I just absolutely devoured. And then they were doing an off the menu special of like chili seasoned watermelon with crickets on top. And, and it's just like, it was sweet and salty and crunchy and a little bit spicy and, and all in one bite. Like you you pick these individual cubes of watermelon up with a, a pair of chopsticks and it's just like mind blowing how much flavor chef G packed into that little bite. And, and so, you know, nothing, nothing about my experience, my recent meal in street to kitchen would dissuade me from going back or recommending it. Uh, I just, I recognized that there, that, you know, winning the Taste Baker award and, and all the good word of mouth they've gotten, uh, not just from culture map and, and this podcast, but, but just from, you know, every food writer that's ever been there that I know about, uh,
1: well there, There's in, just
0: some growing. There's just a, just a little bit of growing pains, and they just gotta, they just gotta be thoughtful about how they manage that. Because I want everyone's experience at Street to Kitchen to be as good as my experiences are.
1: Food and Wine magazine is doing a Houston, I believe, October issue. So I hope that when they come to Houston, they pick up restaurants like this, and I think they're set for bigger and better things. And I think ultimately a bigger space for them, whether it's for this concept or another, I think will really help um, them grow into a space that works for them and works for people like you and I. So, but for a first go out of the gate, I just think this space worked for them and it's amazing.
0: Yeah. And then I noticed, you know, it's been about three months that they've had their liquor license. And so, I mean, there's still BYOB you can, but they have, appropriate wines to pair with your food and I had a Cremat Uh, my friend had a Riesling Uh, you know Graham's being really smart about the kind of wines he's bringing in and and I just think that's such a nice uh, component of the experience to have to have good choices
1: he has put together a small but very tight list that pairs really well with the food that they're making so I'm I'm happy that they have this aspect of their dining uh, there now when they didn't used to. So I think it makes a more cohesive dining and drinking experience.
0: Yeah. He told me he's going to add a couple of grower champagnes. I know that's right in your wheelhouse.
1: Oh, don't worry. That's like all I talk about when I'm there, not in Rieslings, but he's got the Rieslings unlocked. So give me the grower champagnes and Miss Mary's going to be happy.
0: (laughs) All right, Mary, I'm going to say that does it for the, restaurant of the week. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Eric.
0: And I will be right back with Jason and Daya and Cole Huang. I am joined this week by the owner and chef from Danette, a new Vietnamese restaurant coming to to the Heights. Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately. So people can hear your voices. Jason Andaya, one of the owners, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks, Eric. How are you? And then Chef Cole Huang, thanks for doing this.
2: You're welcome. Hi, Eric.
0: Jason, let me let me just start with you because it's been I, I say welcome back, but it's been a long time since you've been on the show. I think you you came on in 2019, right around the time that you opened. Hondo, your sushi hand roll restaurant on 11th street. That's right. And, and so much has happened. I mean, obviously it's a long time, but, but just, just kind of, let's start with just a quick overview of kind of where is Hondo now? Like in terms of the, the way the restaurant is doing, you know, has it, has it met your expectations? Has it, has it exceeded them? I mean, what, what, how, how do you feel about, about how people have received because when you opened, you know, the hand roll concept wasn't really was new to Houston, and it wasn't something people were used to, and so I, I just I thought we would just start there.
3: I think that Hondo has definitely exceeded expectations. I mean, I had high expectations already for uh, what we were going to do because of all the work we had put in, and also knowing that, you know, or feeling that Houston was ready for this kind of concept, um, but. In the, two, in the almost three years since 2019, when the first time came on here, um, it has gone to a place where I could not have really imagined it would have if it wasn't for everything that has happened since, including the pandemic. Um, it just made you change the way you think about the business and restaurants the whole and hospitality and i think that it's it's helped us honestly change for the better um, hondo right now with now complex club next to it it's just become like such such a great part i think for the neighborhood and everyone all of our regulars and everyone in the heights has been super super supportive of what we've been able to do and bring to the to 11th street
0: well, yeah, I mean, and, and I, I think that your that you're thriving is is impressive considering that, you know, essentially, you know, the whole experience is built around sort of sitting uh, shoulder to shoulder around a U-shaped yeah. counter with, with people, you know, for kind of a quick, you know, I, I don't think I've ever had a meal at Honda that lasted more than about maybe 45 minutes. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's designed to be kind of high volume in and out what do you sort of attribute that success to Because I, I, I do have the sense that, that, you know, maybe if not for kind of your efforts and, and Chef Mann's efforts, like it could have gone another way.
3: Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of one of those things that we, we really couldn't plan for and explain. Um, when we first opened, it was, I don't know if you remember this, but we used to have people queue up like in a corner against the window. Um, and that kind of, created, like, a really busy energy in the restaurant. And, you know, it almost kind of, like, pressured people to, oh, maybe I need to get up because I'm done eating now, and then so the next people can come in and sit, right? Um, But once the shutdown happened and we couldn't really have, you know, we had all the capacity restrictions, and no one really felt comfortable, like, being shoulder to shoulder, like, that whole waiting against the window thing has gone away. Right. So then partly why we built Compai Club next to it is to alleviate or to give people a place to wait and enjoy some stuff while they're while they're waiting for their seats at Hondo. Um, COVID also helped us with our to-go business, right? Because when we had when we first opened, to go was not a really big thing uh, with Hondo, but once we switched to that, people started to see that you know we could put out really great product. Um, through a to-go vehicle. Also, um, another thing that kind of changed was: Do you remember when we first opened? We used to have people fill out the menus with pencils, like they would grab their own menu uh, and grab like a little golf pencil
0: and kind absolutely, of absolutely, yeah. So that dim sum, kind of, the st- dim sum style, as it were. Yeah, there.
3: so that kind of gave like a casual, like approach or a casual feel in the restaurant, and now. Where we are handing the menus to the guests and we have removed those boxes now for people to mark their own thing it's kind of more of a traditional sushi counter um, so the I think the the casual perception has kind of gone away and honestly a lot of a lot of this time has been not wasted we spent it kind of retooling the menu and offering you know different things we just we now offer some sashimi and we have Japanese charcoal and we're offering some skewers up there as well. Um, so we've kind of grown very much into something that I didn't think that, I didn't imagine that we were gonna get to. I always thought it was gonna be like in and out, hand rolls and a really cool bar, but it's so much more now. And I'm very proud of like everybody that's, that's put in the work to make it what it is.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good kind of jumping off point for Donette. I mean, what, what, you know? How did you sort of decide that that a Vietnamese restaurant would be the next concept for you? Because I, I mean, I know, I know the plan was always to do multiple concepts, but, but how did you decide Vietnamese was the the logical choice? Yes,
3: it was kind for so for dinette. um, This was kind of a a perfect storm situation for us, right? Yes, we had already planned on doing multiple concepts concepts, excuse me, and uh, a Vietnamese concept, you know, kitchen and bar being one of them. Uh, And given that we are on just coming out of COVID, but still planning and working and doing things in in preparation for when things kind of get back to normal, um, what would the next steps be for the company and concepts? And, you know, we looked in house and we saw, or we realized that, well, we've got and developed fantastic talent in-house. And Cole, Chef Cole, who's going to be the exec chef that's sitting here next to me, he was already working with us at Hondo um, as both a bartender and a back-of-the-house person. And we s- knew that he already had some back-of-the-house experience, a pretty good amount of back-of-the-house experience um, with Christine Ha over at Blind Goat and Sinchao. And we said, okay, well, maybe we can do something here (laughs) Uh, if all the, you know, the cards kind of come up us. So we started doing a little bit more planning. And then with the way that COVID has affected even, you know, real estate, you just start looking at spaces and say, okay, like, where are the opportunities and stuff like that. Um, We started having a lot of internal discussions about what was going to be next and and the great list of things that we wanted to do, the Vietnamese concept made the most sense um, for a number of reasons. One, um, being in the Heights, there was kind of that opportunity to create or to bring a uh, like a fun Vietnamese restaurant and bar concept into the area. Um, and like I'm a Houston kid, you know, Raymond, my partner, you know, we've known each other for a long, long time. And we grew up eating Vietnamese food at, you know, at a lot of the restaurants around time that had been around here for like, you know, 30 years. Uh, but now that we've grown, we kind of felt like it was time for, you know, maybe to open up a restaurant that was Vietnamese that kind of grew up with us, right? Or that's for us now to come and uh, enjoy the stuff that we'd like to do.
0: Right. I mean, I, you know, I think, you know, for, for a lot of, um, you know, people in their thirties and forties, you know, especially, you know, if you're not, if if you don't have a Vietnamese background, you know, it's possible that it's, I think I I have this theory that like the first place you ate, you ate Vietnamese food is probably Mai's, right. Because (laughs) you were out late and it was open. And, and so, you know, I, I just bet that it's, it's like Mai's and Kim San are like, the first places that people had, you know, dishes like fun, spring rolls, and then maybe they got to like a, you know, Cali sandwich or Legervals or something for banh mi. But, but, you know, I I do think that that was kind of a, a formative part of eating for a lot of Houstonians. And, and then, you know, now we're seeing all this like really cool, you know, kind of second generation Vietnamese restaurant, right. Certainly what Christine Ha and Tony Wynn are doing at, Sin Chow and what Christine is doing at the Blind Goat. And, you know, I think about Le Baguette and even, you know, if you, if you stretch it a little bit, like what the Blood Brothers are doing, bringing those flavors to barbecue. I just so excited. So I don't know, maybe, maybe Jason or maybe Cole, this is a chance for you to jump in, but like, how do you sort of see uh, Dinette like in relation maybe to some of those restaurants and, and in terms of kind of this evolution of, of what we think of as, you know, Vietnamese food.
2: So what we want to do is to elevate all the classic Vietnamese dishes that we, everybody knew about. Um, it's just not about pho about me. that's a lot more. So we try to have more diversity on the menu. Um, so people can eat and drink at the same time, so our menu has like small, medium, and large, so I have options for everybody and um
3: that's what we are going to do.
2: hopefully yeah. that answered
3: your question I mean, I think in terms of how we kind of fit in the space right of Vietnamese cuisine now that right people are starting to really explore all of the things that there is to offer um, you know v- beyond fun and by stuff like that especially with you know Christine's restaurants and I um, get even like colonial to an extent right um, there I think that what we're finding is a lot of these second generation chefs and um, second generation Asian Americans is they honestly they have so much to say and they've experienced um, you know obviously the embrace that Houston has given them and their families. And now it's time to kind of showcase their own culture in their own way. um, But with a little bit of the flavor that Houston has given them.
0: Yeah. So Cole, maybe, maybe go into a little bit more detail. What are, what are some of the dishes you're thinking about for the menu? Kind of, kind of how, how is that taking shape?
2: So um, we have a like a crepe, like a big crepe that I would turn it to a taco, which um is familiar with um you know, Uenian people know what, what taco is, so that is my take on something traditional, but put it like more international so people know how to eat it. So what I'm trying to do with my food is, it's easy for everybody to eat. You know, like sometime, most of the time, like April, people have no idea what the lettuce for, not just for garnish, but it's a part of the dish too. So I'm trying my best to like, you know, show people the right way to eat Vietnamese food in, you know, easy way.
0: Well, yeah, and, and I think, you know, again, I think, I think you're right. I think we've, as a, as a city, as a dining culture, we, we understand that Vietnamese food is more than pho and banh mi, right? We're eating, you know, bu bun hui or, or right. you know, bonzeo or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and so Bo luke La...
2: Right.
0: Right. So, so how do you kind of put, I, I guess what I'm saying is, so you're talking about a crepe, Right, and, and I think people, people may have encountered that dish other places. So what are you doing to kind of put your spin on that um, to make it the dinette version of that dish?
2: So like the banh originally people use pork and shrimp, but like the one that we have, we're gonna use like seafood, like different kinds of seafood in there, which in Vietnam, there's a part of Vietnam in the middle of Vietnam, they use like different kind of seafood in the pan instead of pork shrimp so like shrimp squid um mussel yeah or like a medley of seafood that's what i'm trying to do
3: talk about the uh, talk about the egg roll cuz egg roll is really cool
2: so the egg roll the one that we are making is going to be like from the north so the egg roll that you, we see everywhere at Mice or at the far restaurant is a version of the South. So the North is going to look like a swear april instead of the roll up, like how you see it. So that's what I'm growing up eating because my family from the North and this egg roll is going to be my family recipe that I want people to taste. Protein. So... um. In this egg roll, we're going to have pork, shrimp, and crab meat. So I think the crab meat is going to be um, the important ingredient to shine, to make a big difference about the egg roll.
0: Right. No, I, I think that's a good point because, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen crab meat in an egg roll before.
2: Right. So we use that in the north side.
0: Good. Okay. So, okay. So that's really, that's really constructive. I mean, yeah, Jason, let me, let me just pivot back to you. I mean, talk about maybe kind of the design, the aesthetic, the, the cocktails, you know, some of the other aspects of dinette that you're, that you're working on.
3: Okay. So the dining room is going to be, you know, in our normal or in our mind, everything that we want to do is like, small, intimate, kind of discoverable, really cool spaces in Houston, right? That's what we find like Hondo is and we feel like Compile Club is. Dinette is just like the next evolution in that. It's a little bit bigger. It's going to be about 53 seats. So the bar is uh, pretty substantial with 17 seats, two large communals, eight seats each, and then seven tables against banquettes um, along the wall. Um, A lot of Asian touches Um, that you'll see that are recognizable but used in you know kind of different ways that you don't normally see in dining rooms. Um, It's going to have a little bit of an industrial feel but with like Asian accents if that makes sense. So our main our main big statement wall is um, a mix of framed uh, web cane, um, caned webbing, excuse me, um, that you kind of see in a lot of like Asian households and Asian decor and stuff like that. Kind of like the stuff you see in like rocking chairs or like other dining chairs. Um, So there's a big wall that has framed webbing there. Uh, The louver above the bar, like little shutters, right? Um, That's kind of be used as a statement piece above the bar. Um, And the dishes, the dishes that we're using is kind of like mix, mix and match style a lot of the traditional asian prints and stuff that you had seen say at mys or any of the other restaurants that we go to but not the plastic version <laughs> right so <laughs> these right these are <laughs> these are nice like porcelain ceramic dishes that had the same look but when you pick it up and actually touch it like like this is this is nice stuff
0: well and and when people aren't dining there you know, after being at the bars all night, you you feel like it's it's less likely that they're going to throw it on the ground. You know what I mean? Like you can you can you can <laughs> yeah. you can yeah. you can give people a slightly nicer experience uh, if you assume that they're going to be closer to sober than not when they're right. when they're visiting you.
3: And our hours of operation are kind of going to dictate that. I assume. Yeah, uh, we're not. Yeah, we are definitely not the open till four a.m. Uh, spot that you know we love mice to be. Um, as far as cocktails go, I think you can expect the same kind of programming that we have at the other spots. You know what I mean? Like a lot of fun flavors, a deep dive really into what the flavors are in Vietnam We're we've got a (laughs) without giving away too much, because I know that like, it's all coming, but the cocktail menu is basically done. Um, we've got a cocktail that actually uses red bean in it. So you know a lot of like the Vietnamese desserts like the chia and stuff like this, mm-hmm. like to use the sh- like the shaved ice even uh, kind of desserts. So we're kind of pulling from some of those flavors: the jackfruit, the uh, the mango the red bean, the pandan, like leech, like lemon All of these kinds of flavors are going to be used um, on the cocktail menu, and I think you all are going to like what what we put out because we've worked super hard on it and. The things that I've tasted so far from our bar team have, are really, really impressive.
0: Yeah, cool. Let me let me kind of circle back to you. I mean, I know Jason mentioned that you worked for Christine Ha at the Blind Goat and Sin Chao. Yeah, uh, what did you what did you kind of learn from those experience? What 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 are you bringing to Dinette from your time uh, working for her?
2: So, I mean, Christine is my like idol that I look up to for the longest time and got to work with her at the beginning at the Black Goat. is was a dream come true for me. And um, like, Christine is like my big sister now. Um, I would say uh, like the palette, like we have really similar taste in food. I started at the Black Goat as a light cook and then I got promoted to R&D. So I came up with dishes with Christine and we doing R&D most of the time. And yeah, I think that's
0: all I can say. (laughs) Well, give me an example of of a dish that you created together.
2: So it's still on the menu now. It's the lemongrass chicken uh, rummagelli bowl. So that dish we worked together. So that is our recipe, Um, yeah. And we used to have the Vietnamese pizza, and that was a twist of mine on the pizza as well,
0: yeah. So I, I know you mentioned that you're gonna do Northern Vietnamese style egg rolls. Are there, are there other Northern dishes that people can expect to try at Dinette? For sure,
2: so we have the uh, turmeric cod with um, dill and scallion, um, mostly, like the jackal lavang, um, people at Vietnamese restaurant they use like tilapia, but we gonna use cod to have a better flavor to it and t- texture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's a nice upgrade. I mean, cod is a more, I mean, in my opinion, a more luxurious, a more correct, uh, meatier, premium sort of ingredient than tilapia. Yes. Are there are there other kind of dishes where you're gonna do that? I mean, are you uh, I, I I mean I know like for example at Sinjiao they use Wagyu beef for the for the Bo Luklak, I mean, is or the beef with broccoli. I mean, is that do you do you have similar ideas for dinette? So we do
2: have a Wagyu mipscule-ish. B- the Wagyu kinda wrap into better leaf. Better leaf is like a heart shaped leaf. And we we call it Balalop in Vietnam. We use like ground beef to do it, but we're gonna elevate the ground beef with the ground wagyu. So make it more elevated.
0: And then Jason, let me let me turn back to you. Talk to me a little bit about Hondo Spring Branch. How did you how did you decide that it was time to uh it was time to seek a second location. And, and how did you pick, how did you pick, uh, where you're going?
3: Yeah, this was coming, man. Um, Hondo spring branch was something that spring branch, first of all, I think was, is kind of the newest part of it, right? We had always ex- planned on expanding Hondo into other neighborhoods in Houston, right? Like this city is what the fourth largest city in the country and 22 seats isn't gonna cut it, right? Like there's so many more places to, to plant this thing. Spring Branch landed um, just as we were looking at different neighborhoods to put Hondo's far enough from the Heights, but also you know kind of close enough to bring some of the, uh, the key Memorial crew in. Uh, Group customers in and also we looked at everything that was happening in Spring Branch right now, right? Like a lot of people are going in there and um, Obviously the Dinette lease came first, but we signed this with Braun and They had said hey We also have this spot over in Spring Branch and we're looking to To put some some cool concepts in are you guys interested? So then we went over to see their property over there, and that's where you know Phage's barbecue was, and uh, shoot the moon is, and they already have a slow post out there and stuff like that. So we went to go look at the space and saw what they were planning on doing as far as development goes. Looked at the area, um, and you know, kind of made it happen. We were looking to go into a space that was also not as super developed as the Heights, right? Because with development comes things like like higher rents, for example, right? So as long as we can make the economics make sense and the neighborhood seems right for this kind of concept, um, Spring Brand seemed like a no-brainer in terms of like a sophomore effort for Honda.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you talk about Certainly, Fiji's Barbecue and Shoot the Moon. Uh, yeah, I think is not Virginia Ramen coming there too, and and I know Christine's opening opening the blind yeah, goat there. I mean, yeah, uh, um,
3: they are. I think Christine is doing a blind goat. I yeah, mm-hmm. blind goat
0: there. We've reported that. So yes, I and, then,
3: I. and and another thing too, I forget what it is, or I, actually, I don't even know what it is. Um, and Jin, as far as Virginia goes. I believe that a ramen spot is going in the same strip as us. But as far as it being Ginia, I a hundred percent, I'm not sure.
0: Okay. But, but it, either way, it's, it's becoming a very dynamic uh, little shopping center for dining. it's I think, I think from, from my perspective, it's going to be nice for you because it'll be a real destination for the whole neighborhood. You know, they can come to that one plaza and, satisfy a lot of cravings.
3: For sure, the mix is definitely there. I think that these guys did a great job in, in signing different restaurants to the space, to the whole, uh, to the whole plaza.
0: And, and relatively speaking, not a ton of sushi in kind of Super Spring Branch <laughs> Memorial, right? I mean, I think that's to your advantage.
3: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, just as any restaurant store is gonna look at a different neighborhood to kind of go into, um, you know, these things definitely are taken into consideration the the competitive set, right? Um, but you know I, I think there's enough there's enough room for everybody. So that's not it's not a, it's not like the number one priority that we're looking at is is if sushi eggs already exist there. You know what I mean? Sure. But in 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 the way that we do it and you know kind of the, the high energy dining room and the hand roll experience with the cocktails and uh, sushi, small plates, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Um, it's always a good time. And if we can bring that to other neighborhoods in Houston, I mean, we're going to do it as long as, as long as people keep
0: enjoying it, you know? I mean, do you, do you have a short list of like, <laughs> I mean, you, you haven't even, you haven't even really started like construction on Hondo two yet, but have you thought about where the third one might go?
3: Yeah, definitely. I've thought about the third, fourth, and fifth one. For sure, <laughs> For sure man. But you're not going to get it
0: right now. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you know, I have to. I have to try. So, so let me just let me just turn back to Dinette, uh, and then we'll wrap this up. But like, um, obviously, you have Chef Cole. You have your your general manager, Mandy. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of where are you in putting a team together? Because everyone I talk to, just talks about how hard it is to find people. Uh, to yeah, this is
3: not to beat a dead horse or anything like that, but yeah, um putting together a team open team is we're finding one of the most challenging things in of twenty twenty two right like this would have been easier in two thousand and nineteen, obviously two thousand and eighteen, but that's kind of why like Mandy worked for us at hondo, Cole worked for us at hondo um and they're, they're bought in and we've invested in them to, to help them also kind of showcase their culture in a meaningful way for them um, through Dinette, right? So we, a lot of our team is actually coming from Hondo, um, the leadership anyway. So the GM, the sex chef, they've all put in time with us. These are people we trust. Their body of work speaks for itself. Um, And I think that that's important. And that's what we're about just as a company's philosophy, right? Is to uh, promote from within and really putting our money where our mouth is and, um, you know, helping them achieve their dreams. And no one really gets this opportunity, right? Like not often do people get the chance to, run open restaurants that you know that are kind of they're given free reign in a sense to do what they do and that only comes because they've proven to us that they can do this and they have our full support they have the full support of the company to do this raymond and i are fully behind them but in terms of putting together the team the the top top of the team They've already worked with us, and then now it's about kind of showing what we can do and attracting other talent to come join us for this ride. I
0: I, I think that's all. I, I think that's all well said. I mean, Cole, what are what are you looking for? I guess you know you're you're leading the kitchen for the first time. Gary, um, <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> I say <is> scary. Yes, <laughs> you know, like I work under. Big chef, and now I have to do something on my own. So I have to figure it out everything by myself. I have to get stuff, order stuff, vendors. So I mean, it's a learning experience for me. It's a dream come true. It's just another door for me to do a bigger things. Um, so I'm excited.
0: Well, good. I'm. I'm going to say that seems like a good place to wrap this up, Jason. Unless there's anything you want to talk about that I haven't asked you about.
3: Um. no, I think that. Yeah, no, you, you touched up on kind of the update for Hondo, Dinette, Hondo 2 coming up, which 30 seats, this thing is going to be great. Uh, and then an unnamed bar also attached to it um,
0: that we're working on, but
3: no, nah, always good to catch up, Eric.
0: All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. Five <laughs> easy questions, five short I did, I answers.
3: I try to get away from this, but... <laughs>
0: Well, you, since theoretically, you, I mean, I, I didn't go back and listen to your answers, but, but you know, you can, you can put, put Cole to the test, you know, this time if you want.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, uh, no, no, no.
0: All right. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Chef Cole Huang, what is your favorite ingredient?
2: I would say sauce.
0: What is the first band you ever saw in concert?
2: First man, I would say Marvin Five.
0: What is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-through. Uh, Chick Fil A. Who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? No,
2: I don't, watch sport. <laughs> I don't watch
0: sport. I strike out. I strike out with that question like every four weeks. I should really find a better. <laughs> place. All right, and then finally, um, what is the newly opened Houston restaurant? You are dying to try, but you haven't had time to visit yet.
2: Uh, is it? I I wouldn't say new, but Nancy Hustle, I've been wanting to try that restaurant.
0: Yeah, it's been around for it. It's turned five this year, so it's probably about time. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> before Dinette opens, you've got you've got a, You've got a little window. Um. All right, Jason, give us the give me the the website and the social media for, for Hondo and for Dinette, so people can keep track of what you're. What's going on?
3: So Hondo website is hondohtx.com, H-A-N-D-O-H-T-X.com. And the social media handle is also hondohtx. That's at hondohtx. For Dinette, uh, Dinette, dinettehtx.com, D-I-N-E-T-T-E-H-T-X.com. And Instagram at dinettehtx.com. H T X D I N E T T E H T X, very original i know
0: very easy to find that's that's the doesn't have to be original just has to be easy to find all right <laughs> you can follow me on instagram at eric sandler keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest houston bar and restaurant news thanks so much for listening i'll be back next week